0: And minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that this morning we might hear your word with joy. Amen. Our first reading this morning is from Acts uh, chapter 3, verses 12 through 19. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power? the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate, when he had decided to release him. But you denied the Holy and the Righteous One, and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. In his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, and did also your rulers, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, and his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sin may be blotted out our second reading this morning is from 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. See what kind of love the Father has given to us,
1: that we should be called children of God,
0: and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what will we do and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning, and no one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. I had a very weird series of conversations with people this week because of hockey. I tend to avoid being on social media when there is a big professional sporting event because I just don't really like pro sports. Now, please don't take this as a cue to try to win me over to football or hockey, um, I've owned this about myself and I'm okay with it. I'm gonna let you be you and me be me. We can still be friends, this is okay. I'm all right with this uh, disconnect. Uh, but because I don't particularly care about pro sports much, I also don't always know when there is a big sporting event happening until it's too late and I wind up in, you know, ridiculous traffic I didn't realize was going to happen, or I find myself reading friends' Facebook posts trying to figure out what in the world things like hat trick or Crosby mean. And this happened to me just the other night. It was Late, I was getting ready for bed and just poking fun at myself. I posted something along the lines of, well, it looks like there was a sports ball thing happening today because every single thing I read was something about a hat trick or a Crosby. And I was, I was making fun of myself and my own cluelessness and most people took it that way and we joked around about it but there were a few people who passionately love watching hat tricks and Crosby's do what hat tricks and Crosby's do, who felt like I was making fun of them, which was not at all my intent. And this is one of the reasons I have such a dramatic love-hate relationship with things like Facebook and Twitter. It's really hard to convey real intentions or to intuit them from somebody else when you can't see a person's face or hear their tone as they're saying something. As many of you heard at Bible study uh, the other night, I I feel strongly about the importance of words and how we use them, and they get disturbingly misused and misinterpreted online. This whole exchange led to some interesting and uncomfortable conversations about feeling left out and different. It's hard to figure out how to communicate with people when all they are talking about is something you don't understand or have much interest in. And it's also hard to figure out how to be passionate about something without making other people who aren't interested in or learned about that thing feel left out. And it doesn't have to be about liking or not liking hockey or football. We all know what it's like to feel left out or misunderstood or out of the loop. Maybe it's your weird pastor talking about CrossFit all the time and assuming you know and care about what she's talking about. Maybe it's your neighbors having cookouts without you because you don't have kids the same age as theirs, or they don't have kids and you do. Maybe it's family or friends forgetting to invite you on an outing because you live in a different part of the city than most of them do, and as we all know, Pittsburghers don't cross bridges or go through tunnels. Maybe it's people scheduling fun things on Sunday morning and looking at you like you have five eyes when you say you can't go because you have church on Sunday morning. Maybe it's being the only person you know who's never seen The Sopranos or Game of Thrones or some other show that people assume that you've seen, because who hasn't? I could probably go on, but I don't think that I need to. We all know what it feels like to be left out of something. I think most of us remember middle school. If such huge misunderstandings can come about because of something like a game on TV that some people watch and other people don't, No wonder the early church felt so left out. If something as simple as a game or a picnic can cause so much hurt and misunderstanding, no wonder something as important as religion, as faith, can cause so much hurt and misunderstanding in the world. Being a Christian can sometimes feel like being a hockey fan trying to convince someone who doesn't get it that it's totally cool and you should try it. Sometimes it feels like you're the one who doesn't get it, and all the world talks about is hockey. Either way, it can make you feel like a puzzle piece that isn't quite the right shape. From the very beginning of the Christian church, Jesus' followers have struggled to find our identity and where we belong in time and space because we are called to such a different way of life than everyone else around us. The people around us just don't understand it. They don't understand this way of life because they don't understand Jesus. First John 3, 1 John 3.1 says, The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. We are misfits because Jesus was a misfit. Acts 3.14-15 says, But you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. Jesus was murdered because the world didn't understand him or his message. And after Jesus' death and resurrection, people didn't misunderstand just his words. They didn't understand, they don't understand the difference that made. Redemption gets kind of lost in the shuffle. Last week, I asked you all if Easter really matters. And for many people, it doesn't. Many people have yet to see the impact of Easter in the world. And that's not their fault. They just haven't seen it. If it's anyone's fault that they haven't seen the difference Easter makes, it's our fault. And
0: self-proclaimed
1: Jesus followers don't always handle that well. Sometimes in our feelings of being left out, we'd rather shout down the people who misunderstand rather than trying to listen to them. Sometimes in our conviction that everyone should understand how great Jesus is, we wind up being offended by the people who refuse to see it our way. It's hard to be gracious in these sorts of disagreements, especially when the topic is something as high stakes as faith. It's difficult to maintain grace and compassion when we're feeling left out and weird. We struggle to hear the ways others feel left out and we're busy feeling left out ourselves that's what is really at the heart of all of this we all just want to fit in somewhere we all want to know that we belong somewhere we all want to hear a happy chorus of norm when we walk into the room and first john 3 tells us that there is a place where everybody knows your name god's family the body of christ We are so beloved that God doesn't just accept us, God adopts us into the Holy Family. We are children of God. It doesn't matter who else we fit in with or don't fit in with. In a world where we are still so sinful as to hurt one another and to be hurt by one another over something like who does or doesn't like a particular activity, there is much to hope for that God has not yet revealed. But one thing that God has revealed is that we are loved so very much that we are called children of God. Your identity is not wrapped up in who agrees with you or what groups you or others do or don't belong to. Your identity is child of God. We may not know what the future holds, but we know what God has given us right now. God has told us, you belong. It's hard to live out our weird life without being bossy or obnoxious about it, but it is possible. Even when we are just excited about something we love, those who don't understand it might take us the wrong way. But There is grace and there is confidence in knowing what our true identity is centered on. And there is grace and confidence in knowing what other people's true identity is centered on as well. Other people see Jesus in us, not because we try to change other people, but because we try to change the world for other people after seeing Jesus in them. When we choose to see others as children of God, not as likers of this or followers of one thing or another, We find ourselves acting in ways that go against the sinful ways we often are with one another. Mother Teresa was known for reaching out in compassion and kindness to other people, and she says this about it. I see Jesus in every human being. I say to myself, this is hungry Jesus. I must feed him. This is sick Jesus. This one has leprosy or gangrene. I must wash him and tend to him. I serve because I love Jesus. Every person she came into contact was a child of God. I'd like to end this morning with a story from Tony Campalo, the mentor of my mentor and an all-around great person. He's one of those people you know sees everyone around him as a fellow child of God. Just because not everyone knows right away it's Jesus they are seeing in you doesn't mean they are not seeing Jesus in you. So I encourage you to listen to this and to think about it and to keep being weird and different and remember who your true identity is formed by, who you really are and who the people around you really are. Joe was a drunk, miraculously converted in a street outreach mission. Before his conversion, he'd gained a reputation as a derelict and dirty wino for whom there was no hope. But following his conversion to Christ, everything changed. Joe became the most caring person at the mission. He spent his days there doing whatever needed to be done. There was never anything he was asked to do that he considered beneath him. Whether it was cleaning up vomit left by some sick alcoholic, or scrubbing toilets after men had left them filthy, Joe did it all with a heart of gratitude. He could be counted on to feed any man who wandered in off the streets, undress and tuck him into bed when he was too out of it to take care of himself. One evening, after the mission director delivered his evangelistic message to the usual crowd of sullen men with drooped heads, one of them looked up, came down to the altar, and kneeled to pray, crying out for God to help him change. The repentant drunk kept shouting, Oh God, make me like Joe, make me like Joe, make me like Joe. The director leaned over and said, Son, wouldn't it be better if you prayed, make me like Jesus? (laughs) After thinking about it for a few moments, the man looked up with an inquisitive expression and asked, Is he like Joe? (laughs) Do others see Jesus in you? Let us pray. God, by the power of your spirit, give us the strength to live out the message that we have heard today through your word. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.